and it seems like we are live, ladies and gentlemen, back again, episode 10. Whoa, I'm a poet. Did not know it. Yes. Ten. <laughs> we Hello. got Yes. Uh, mute yourself, Bobby, if you're unless you're talking to us. If you're talking yeah. to somebody else. Oh, okay. To you, Mr. Petrowski used to say that. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that guy, Mr. Petros guy. Yeah. Uh -huh. This we went to school together, Bobby, and I grade school, and it's and his name is Mr. Petrowski. He was a gay, the gayest man <laughs> ever seen in your life, dude. Uh, it was the, it was the coolest thing to see as a kid. And he would just like sit on the, this is the best story. He's sitting, I forget what, what he was actually teaching. He might've been teaching history or some shit, but he's sitting on his stool and he's rocking back and forth. And he's got his legs crossed like real femininely. And he rocked back so far that he fucking fell off his chair and busted his ass. <laughs> yeah. And the whole class busted out laughing and like he got up and was, I've never seen a gay. With this feminine dude could be real scary if he needed to be. Oh, yeah, and, um, off, yeah. huh? needless to say, we didn't laugh at Mr. Petrowski again. Oh, we had a we had a gym teacher uh, named Mr. Plate who would smoke inside the fucking in in his office inside the locker room all day long. Oh God, <laughs> this is back in the eighties, of course. Yeah, back when America <laughs> was America, man. <laughs> Yeah, right. So yeah, you didn't want to go to Mr. Plate's office because it was like, oh my god, it was gross. Dude, back in the day, America he was, was a hard ass. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I mean, teachers would hit kids and shit, but like back in the day, people were drinking and driving and fucking smoking cigarettes indoors. Like this was fucking the land of the free, home of the brave, baby. Smoking on planes, uh -huh. everything. We can't talk about shots and stuff. Right, our freedom of speech is gone, man. We're communist fucking Russian, dude. We're communist Russian, and we're like back in the like Nazi Germany with all the Jew haters out there now. Exactly. It's freaking insane, dude. Dude, why? why and it's all coming from the left, which is so ironic. The tolerant left hates right. Jews. Like, what happened? It's very insane. Fuck? It's crazy, dude. Like, I want to know how this is just acceptable all of a sudden. Like, well, because it's on the left, that's why it's acceptable. Everyone's like, oh, right. okay, well, it must be justified because it's like the oppressed and the oppressor. Or they go on with that fucking line of horse shit. And, yeah. uh, you know, it's, I mean, it's just, it's the, it's the soft underbelly of racism on the left. It's coming out. It was. I hope people are waking up and realizing that because, um, it's getting fucked up, dude. I mean, oh, you got you got like students and colleges like afraid for their lives and hiding in libraries and shit, like Jewish students. It's like it's it's like it's at a level that I've never seen in my lifetime. Right, like ramping up to World War II level fucking propaganda and shit. Yeah, yeah. and it's all coming from leftist students and fucking leftist ideology. It's wild, man. It's wild to watch. Well, if this was Russia's plan from the 80s, like that one fucking KGB <laughs> agent said, my God, great. Yeah, they've done a brilliant job. Good brilliant. job, Russia. Yeah, KGB. All propaganda. All propaganda. Propaganda machine. Propaganda mm -hmm. machine, the USA, baby. It's just crazy. I was talking to Bobby last night about how just deep state our fucking CIA is and how they infiltrated Hollywood and put all their propaganda in there and just really... I oh, mean, they do it all day, all day long now too. Operation Mockingbird, check that shit out. 
Mockingbird. They're fucking doing Hunger Game references now. <laughs> well, it's before Hunger Games, but yeah, so called Operation Mockingbird is infiltrate all the news organizations in Hollywood and and basically yeah. use them as propaganda wings for the CIA, U.S. government. MK Ultra, yeah. MK Ultra. Oh, that's, that's remote viewing stuff. That's pretty fucking wild too, but. Dude, supposedly they tripped Manson out and had him all, like, taught him how to use acid and, like, really get his following. And, like, that's why he would be in and out of jail, like, you know, before the murders and shit happened. But they basically supposedly trained and uh, yeah. and facilitated uh, Manson. Oh, yeah. They do all kinds of fucking hey, crazy Harry, shit. Man. It's just crazy, though. Yeah, I mean... uh Heroin used to be sold on the market by Bear Aspirin. Bear used to make heroin way back in the day. I think this was like <laughs> the 1910s or something. And then yeah. heroin was just sold on the shelf by Bear. And yeah. we had a big oh, opium epidemic. And, uh, you know, the U.S. put a kibosh to that. But how crazy is that? Well, then Bear made all, this, all the uh, poison for, to kill the Jews in World War II. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Bobby, you got to mute yourself. I'm getting background noise over here. Yeah. Thank you. And uh, I'm sure the, uh, it sounds like the, all the left students like Bear now. Uh, Wait, like what? Like Bear. Bear. The, the company, because it killed all oh. the, the, made the made the poison to kill all the Jews in World War II. They were they're all happy with that. Well, dude, this world, this world is just fucked up. When Johnson & Johnson baby powder is like, fucking being produced with asbestos and like you know you think it's a safe ass product for your baby like that's crazy man mm-hmm. oh yeah and what have they answered for that dude like okay because talc is apparently mined like near asbestos and it's hard to separate the two but they knew that forever and we're just letting us sprinkle this shit on our kids Oh, in most cases, those companies know that shit. They're just waiting to get caught, and then they pay the fine, or they pay off the FDA. You know what? It's it's all just a big bunch of money laundering or shit happening. I need big to business. Get, I need to get into this, man. Like I could be shady and fucking criminal like this. <laughs> well, first you got to be a major, huge company. Ah, ah. Well, I mean, they got they had to have started somewhere, man. Because so. if you started a baby powder line in your oh. little house. Right. The FDA would come in and fucking raid you, and if you had anything in there that was like not, you know, the, the, any kind of ingredients that were harmful to people, you would be busted and shut down. See it? Yeah, instantly. Funny how that works. Funny how that works. God damn it! The little man always gets screwed again, dude. Elon Musk is cool as shit, dude. I, I mean, too bad he can't run for president someday because he's South African. But if no. I was that dude, I would go over to South Africa and become president of that fucking place. And then Oof, that's a fucking problem too right now. What South Africa? Oh yeah. I mean, I don't know much about what's going on, but I know there's just a ton of crime over there. But what are you talking about something specifically? Oh, there's a ton of crime, but they're also like, I mean, I mean, I don't know. I wouldn't say justifiably so, but they're completely like anti-white now. They've taken over the government. And really? They're, like, they're forcing farmers out of their land, and they're doing all this kind of fucked up shit. Yeah. I was going to say, do they realize like half their population is white? <laughs> well, they don't care. They're taking revenge you know, for apartheid mm-hmm. and shit, which, I mean, which is fucked up. I agree, but like, now it's like they're going to, you know, take revenge. When do we learn from the past and our mistakes, man? Like, when does education catch up to fucking the reality of the times? I don't know, man. It's uh, pretty wild. They got to look like, at, no one wants to look at history to learn lessons. 
Right. I mean, like right now, I mean, if I was planning on having a kid, I might fucking double check myself and be like, do I really want to bring a being into this crazy ass fucking world right now where you don't know what's up and what's down? Uh, was it, I was listening to Rogan and he was talking about that. Oh no, it was Rogan and Elon on the last episode. He was, Elon was just okay. talking. They were kind of talking about this sentiment. It's like, there's always something fucked up happening in the world. So it's like for that, for you to sit back and say, well, I don't know if I want to bring kids into the world. And cause Elon's whole thing is like, we need more people because right. population is starting to crash worldwide. Western yeah. civilization, you know, Western countries, China, Russia, like all these countries. Their, their their demographics are crashing, especially China. Right. His, his thing is like, we don't, we're not going to have too many people. We're going to have too few people in the coming years. Yeah, I've, I've heard him say that. It just, to me, it doesn't make sense. I mean, when I think of natural resources, I mean, less is more, but I mean, he's fucking way smarter than I am. He's a rocket scientist for Christ's sakes. But I mean, I just don't see how like, he, he's basically saying everybody go out and fuck and just reproduce, reproduce, reproduce. And that seems a little crazy. He's saying it in relation to the fact that populations are crashing. Well, don't forget. And we're just not seeing it yet. We're just not seeing the harmful effects of it yet. You will sort start to see, you know, uh, production go down. Um, and people are going to get, the population is going to be older and older. So they're going to have to support those people with fewer and fewer young people to, to right. make money to support those people. And you're just not seeing the, 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 right. the hurtful effects of it yet. Right. In most cases. Do you think Elon just fucking gaslighting us since he's going to be on Mars by 2030 and like <laughs> fuck the U.S.? I mean, yeah, he is. He could be like a super criminal. He fucking knows. But oh my god, that'd be great. He, oh, dude, he's brilliant, man. I mean, to change the shape of your rockets because like you like the shape from movie, you like that's just baller. Pointy is pointy is scarier. <laughs> right. That's the dictator. So great. <laughs> yeah, that was a great movie, man. Yo, Sasha Baron Cohen, that dude is fucking talented, dude. Oh my god, he's so funny. His characters are great. Yo, and like when he was doing that, the Ali G show, which was before any like of his movies, like he was fucking, he was like in Louisiana or something, fucking calling this redneck a gay guy, gay dude, and the guy was straighter than fucking anything mm -hmm. in gay people. And he's like, yo, dude, he's like, you call me gay again, and I will fucking snap your neck. He's like, dude, I am, like, he was dead ass serious. Yeah. I, I was like, yo, this guy's no joke. He's about I, 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 I've, had, I've never heard any stories if he's put to, like, too far and got beat up. But yeah. Maybe he hasn't. I can't either, man. I mean, I know further into his career, there was security and stuff around, but in the beginning, some of the shit he was doing, like, he yeah. had... Hillary Clinton on the Ali G show. He's in, interviewing her as like a fucking. He's a white man pretending to be black. He's like, huh? my man. It was fucking legit. Oh, he had a bunch of. He got a bunch of people on that show. He got Pat Buchanan. He got. He got Ron Paul. Ron Paul. Some other people. It just shows like they don't even fucking. Oh, I'm just going on a show. My handler told me where to go. Right. Yeah. You pull the right strings, you can get someone on the on your show. Right. Right. Bobby, Dude, let's get Hillary Clinton on here. Oh my God! I would, I would, I would not want to even be in the same room as that evil. Like I don't understand how people just don't fucking see evil in that bitch. It's friggin' nuts. I just, yeah, she just didn't she just have put out a statement like not too long ago, like calling Trump Hitler and like you know saying that all his followers are evil and something like something along these lines. It's like, bitch, you fucking tried to rig. In fact, you did 
try to well, you rig the election. You 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 basically against a, uh, an active candidate and then a sitting president, you set up a campaign to you know completely based on lies to take right. him out, right? To discredit right. him with it Obama's just, blessing, by the way. <laughs> yeah, and it's all and, been proven, but like it's the mainstream media doesn't talk about because it it's Trump. It's okay to hate him. Which and I get it, and some of Trump's followers are fucking out there, but are they any sure there than this fucking left fucking you know it's just it's just the left is way more vocal than the right at some points, the right gets a little too rambunctious at some points. It's like nobody knows how to fucking behave anymore. Both well, and that was I mean, if you go back to that KGB guy, it's by design, right? Split everybody down on politics and, and religion and race. Skin color, like just make every, just divide everybody, so that everyone's at each other's throats. And then, then what you get is the emergence of far sides of both parties, the fucking crazy fringes on both sides. They're on both sides, right? And you have less in the middle where you can actually have a civilization that communicates and gets along, right? Which is probably what most of this United States population is, is the fucking middle. But the oh, left, sure. far left and the far right has such a loud voice that the middle is just like, ah, eh, we're too busy going about our fucking lives and fucking mixed up in that than to fucking be barking fucking at people on social media and shit. But, you know, that's all you hear is these fuck the, the people. Yeah, the loudest voices, and they're usually from the crazies. Exactly. exactly. Like, I, nobody gets me mad on social media. I'm like, you're probably a bot anyway. So it's like, well, that's, yeah, that's you know, that. but it's I like, think social I, media has been the bane of fucking humanity for a long time, even though we're here on social media, but it's like, it's just, it's, it's bad. Well, I didn't see it getting to this. Like, you know, once they started making fucking TikTok stars and shit, that's when it's like, it just shot the crazy. Once they realized you can make a living on it and get some fame, it just oh. went bananas. Well, then you, I mean, you have these concerted, you know, uh, efforts by countries such as China to subvert our democracy, and TikTok is a great example of that. In right. that, it is it is a full on Chinese government instrument, and yeah. they make people popular on there for a reason because more and more people get on there and watch it, and more and more people get on there trying to be popular. And, right, but they're all being, you know, fed. All their information is going to China, going to the Chinese government. Anybody that's on TikTok, you are a fucking known asset to the Chinese, basically. Right. Um, and not that the NSA is, you know, not watching everything we do, but uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty. It's wild fucking times, man. Uh-oh. Oh, there he is from space, Jimmy Lang. You, <laughs> what up, kid? I don't hear you, my man. Do you have audio? You're muted. You're muted. You got the Death Star in your background. We can no hear you, Jimmy. We can see you. We no hear. I don't know what accent I just did. <laughs> <laughs> That's my something. That's my... Hello. Hello. Uh, sometimes down by the mute button, uh, there's Technical a little... Technical difficulties. Button. Yeah, there's like an up arrow, and you could click where your audio supply is coming from. Sometimes that helps. But in the meantime, maybe he's coming back in. I don't know. We've lost control of the show this early, Mr. Gracie. I know. It's just, you know, what, what happens here? You need to break out your bongos and get in your skibbies and just play them <laughs> on here. 
do you um i i i mean on the unplugged you played a, a drum set but there was a couple like you know k k rock uh acoustic christmases and stuff where it was like you were on uh bongos and it was just like ed on a guitar doing like some cool ass songs like top or something you remember those? yeah bongos or congos yeah we we, we did a whole i mean like fermental jewelry huh? see you can't still can't hear it what the hell's going on oh jimmy we can't hear it fermental jewelry did a whole lot of uh whole lot of uh acoustic stuff like all right is that better there oh there it is perfect sorry i had to all give him a bluetooth headset i just I finished watch. with a a mission, as you can ah, see. Ah, yes, I can see that. Yes, and you destroyed it. It hasn't been blown up yet. <laughs> um, you so know, what it's it. on a timer. You know why those Bluetooth headphones were not working? Uh, because they're not by Apple. Apple. They're not by Apple. That's what I. That's my excuse for everything. It doesn't work. <laughs> you should get Apple's product. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> All right. So. So Jimmy, 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 uh, welcome back, dude. Part Thank two you. for Jimmy Lang. Uh, you're the, our first guest who had a part two. Uh, well received episode last week. Of course, everybody loves the old Jimmy Lang. Mm -hmm. And I believe it or not, I remember where we were kind of leaving off uh, with a little. Was it Neil Young and you and Ed Kowalczyk at a lunch? Oh, oh that's right. Like that. This story. Um. All right, I guess I can start. I can start there. Or, uh, you know, you can maybe work your way backwards or some things that yeah. I've forgotten about. Okay, uh, go wherever you want, Jimmy, because I just had a boner for that story, but I really don't care. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, okay, I guess we can start there. Um, uh, I think one of the uh, one of the, I mean, one of the side benefits of uh, being friends with rock stars, I guess, is uh, maybe uh, getting a chance to meet famous people. I mean, I met a. I met a lot of famous people, famous to me, um, pretty friends to them, but name drop. Then, uh, name drop. Um, so I remember, uh, <laughs> uh, back, back in the day when, uh, Ed was, uh, he was living in, uh, he was living in LA at the time up in the, up in Hollywood Hills where all the movie stars and famous people live. Dope. And, uh, I used to, I used to go to his house and, um, he had, a, he had this really nice place. Uh, it's called, uh, Cas Casa de Lila up in, uh, up in the hills. Right off of Gower Street. I got a question for you. Um, we had to come up there one time, and uh, he had the, the he wanted to build a website. <laughs> it was called uh, CasaDelila.com. Uh, <laughs> it was the name of his house, actually. The house was called Casa Delila. A really oh, nice wow. house. is up in the hills. Um, I think uh, I think the drummer for uh, one of the old drummers for Kiss. Uh, no, it was, it was Matt Sorum. Matt Sorum owned it. Oh, was it Matt Sorum? Okay. Somebody yeah. was living up there. Was like, so I remember I went up there to uh, uh, visit Audio, them. I, I bought like a computer with them and I built like Audio this. is gone. Oh. And maybe your Bluetooth speakers I went on again. I can hear them. Oh, you can hear me? You know, maybe the uh, headset. So Chad, Chad is this me, house right? you talking about? Is this where... Um, Ed... John, hold on. Hold on a minute. I, I can hear Jimmy. You can't hear him? No. Oh, I can hear him fine. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, Got you back now, Jimbo. <laughs> oh, okay. So you can hear my audio? Yeah, yes. that was, I guess it was me and uh, my bad. Yeah, so uh, I, uh, he had me come up there. He wanted to build a website about um, something about uh, bringing peace to the world. You know how it is. <laughs> he uh -huh. wrote me, he said, it's the 17-year-old in me, Jimmy. Uh, <laughs> I want to build a website. So I went up there. I brought a computer with me, and I, like, built a built a 
built a server for him at his house and then we set up this website and then I remember uh he had a he had a bunch of uh, uh Alex Gray paintings in his in his place. Um speaking of Alex Gray Alex Gray, sorry. Pretty <laughs> Uh, I remember Chad, you and I think you and Ed went down to La Jolla on one of the years, and you played like a you played like a gig for Alex, Alex Gray at. Like, yeah, went to a, a, it was either his gallery or a gallery that he was showing. Yeah, it was at, like but, the yeah, La Jolla yeah. Museum of uh, Arts or something. Right. Yes, so yes. That that was pretty cool. I mean, I'm not a super huge fan of his artwork, but I, I think they're kind of neat, to be honest. So. Oh, yes. but yeah, it was a it was a huge fan, and I remember he had he had he had the big paintings in his house. <laughs> wow, that's pretty crazy. Um, so sometime during, uh, sometime during our meeting, um, I don't know, he got kind of hungry. He's like, Hey, let's go get lunch. So, uh, we hop in his car and, uh, he was driving a, I think he had a Mercedes, like an S 500 at that time. Really, really sporty. <laughs> um, it's all black. Um, and I remember we got in the car and we're going down the hill in Hollywood and okay. So crazy story. Uh, I, I, I'm not even making this up, but um, he turned on the radio and like halfway down the hill from Hollywood, um, lightning crashes comes on the radio. Uh, and I was thinking to myself, okay, I wonder what he's going to do. He's either going to change change the station because I mean, I don't want to hear my own songs <laughs> or I, I don't know. Maybe he'll turn it up and start singing or so I was waiting for him. To, I was thinking, man, I'd probably change the station because he's probably he's probably tired of that, right? So no, he actually reached over, he turned up the volume, and he starts singing in the car with the phone. Nice. And I was just like, okay, <laughs> that's pretty crazy. Uh, and uh, right when we got to the bottom of the hill, uh, he was explaining to me like, uh, hey, this is the street where um, we turn left to go down to Vine Street. And of course, that's from uh, the, that's, that's the lyrics from the songs. It's it's a uh, actual. Uh, he was showing me, uh, yeah. He used to come down here and I always be late. So this is where I wrote the song. This is from this lyrics. And it's it kind of cool, like, just hearing them talk about, okay, this is where, this is where that came from. And this is the exact place where it happened, was right here where nice. we turned left. To get Yo, down Jimmy, to the Hollywood does this Hill. siren to Vine Street get you every time? Every time it comes out of my car and I'm driving, like, motherfucker. And then I'm like, oh, shit. It's such a real siren in the start of that. Yeah. So that was pretty crazy. And um, <laughs> he ended up going to, like, this uh, super fancy place down in Hollywood. Um. And uh, so, so we, so we go in. He parks cars. We go in, and we got this really cool table. Uh, I don't remember what what kind of food it was, and I'll explain to you why I can't remember. Because about maybe ten minutes after we had arrived and sat down, right. uh, the big limo pops up from out of nowhere, and this huge entourage of people it must have been like maybe like ten ten people come out of the car. Some of them looked like bodyguards. Some of them looked like you know just really dressed up fancy people living in Hollywood at the time. And um, as we see, you say bodyguard, pop out of the like car, body, body style, that type of bodyguard, or yeah. Okay. So, um, see, I, I swear, I was like, okay, here's the guy stepping out of the car. What is going on here? Why is all these people there? So Ed and I were watching, and this guy pops up. And he's got these huge, you know, he's got the whole full on sideburns going on. So totally recognized. Oh, I could recognize those sideburns from you know, yeah. <laughs> a mile away. And so Neil Young comes into the restaurant. And uh, they're looking around and they couldn't find a table, but there was an empty table, like literally right next to us. So he comes over and he sits down at the table right next to us. And I was just like, no, this is kind of surreal. This can't really be happening. I mean, that's literally Neil Young, like 10 feet away from me. And uh, I was looking over at Ed and he was looking at me and was like, is that who I think it is? And I was like, oh, <laughs> yeah, shit, that's Neil Young. I mean, who else has sideburns like that? And like, we're just like, 
we I don't even remember what we ordered or what I, I was just like fascinated. I was like, holy shit. And all I could think of was like, uh, man, what if I, what if, I'll, I'll never see this, I'll never get this opportunity again, ten feet away. What if I just walk over and say, uh, hey, uh, Neil, so do you mind if I get a selfie? Uh, I'm sure he'd probably say no, and then I'd probably be like, you know, no, do you want a selfie with me? I mean, <laughs> I was just like, just, uh, and uh, Ed and I just kept looking at each other, and uh, he and Ed was like, we need, a, we should call Taylor. Cause he's a huge fan, and I'm like, uh, yeah, he'll be really upset. <laughs> and uh, so, I mean, the whole time, I mean, the whole time we were there, uh, I don't even remember eating. I, I, I hope he didn't realize that we we're just staring at him. I was really <laughs> sure starstruck. It was all probably one of the few times in my life that I'd been really starstruck, ten feet away from the. You know, I could have just reached over and tapped him on the shoulder. That's um, crazy. And then, uh, so uh, after the whole event, we're like, man, we, we should tell somebody about this. And Ed goes, no, let's not. Let's just tell everybody that we had lunch with Neil Young because that's exactly what happened. There you go. Yeah, we never. I never really told anybody. We never, we never called Taylor. I never called any of my friends. I never told anybody. Yeah, man, you you won't believe it. So uh, yeah, lunch with Jason with Neil Young. Just yeah, just I mean it was crazy. I mean the guy's a friggin' he's an icon. So wherever he goes. Didn't Taylor uh, at one point grow the same chops as Neil Young? I feel like I remember Chad with those fucking chops like Neil Young. Maybe something, yeah, close. I only thought of that because Jimmy was like, you know, Chad Taylor was a big fan. I'm like, wait, didn't he sometimes have those big fucking choppers on the side? Um, but I'm sure Neil Young gets that all the time where he goes out and just everybody stares at him. He's so fucking iconic, so he probably is used to it if you guys were Googling at him. But I can't believe you yeah. or Ed, like, if I was Ed, I would have been like, dude, just fucking, it's a cool just to be in, like, your presence, man, and kind of <laughs> in the same field. I mean, part of me wanted to uh, but I, I'm sure he probably gets out a lot, and he'll probably just get really annoyed at us, and like I'll have one of those security guards ask me out, escort me out of the building as a security risk or something. I'm but, gonna uh, say that uh, Neil Young would know who Ed Kowalczyk and Live is because he's such a big Pearl Jam fan that I feel like he would have been like, dude, like, I, I, yeah. Uh, I know Billy Corgan knows who Ed is. Um, uh, one time we were, I think there the band was playing in Chicago, and after one of the shows, we um, I don't know, we ended up in some really weird. Like a a weird club is kind of su- super dark. Um, there were inside the table they had beds, so there were Whoa. beds everywhere where tables were, and people would sit on the beds. And you know, if I guess if you wanted to lean back or whatever, you could. And there's white curtains everywhere, and just crazy. I don't know gym? how. Is this a brothel, uh, sir? No, <laughs> I don't know. It it could have <laughs> been, but no, it wasn't. But uh, it's just one of those like I don't know. I guess they they thought it was really cool back in the day. Let's have a club like this, and and we're in there. And uh, I remember Billy Corgan was there, and him and Ed were talking a little bit. And um, oh, cool. Uh, he, he seemed like a really nice guy. Uh, he seemed Russian, real. Like I, I would have liked to challenge him to a rush trivia contest. Billy Corgan. There you go. <laughs> but uh, he, he was there, Corgan, and uh, he was super nice, super nice to Ed. He seemed like a really nice guy, and I think at the end he just kind of like tips tipped, tipped his hat. To Ed, um, hell yeah, of all guys, <laughs> right? Yeah. And um, they look nothing alike. Yeah, I mean, uh, um, but but uh, uh, for Billy Corgan to uh, be hanging out with Ed, that's a cool. Did you get any pictures of that, Jimbo? No, I, I think he was just at the show or something. I don't know how we uh, ended up at the same place. It was Chicago. I mean, that's his hometown. So, well, there's a mutual kind of acquaintance in there. That's a guy named Tommy Lipnick, who was, you know. 
good friends with Billy Corgan, and he we would hang out with Tommy when we go to Chicago. He was like Mr. Chicago at the time, back in the nineties and two thousands. So oh, wow. he knew everybody, yeah. all the he knew all the celebrities that would go through town, all the rock stars, and he would connect them with Billy here, like you know. Anyway, so Tommy Lipnick is probably was hanging around there somewhere. Wasn't yeah. Billy Corgan banging Courtney Love at some point? <laughs> And then Ed was there, and they were doing a threesome. Spread it. I've heard it. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, Courtney Love was making her rounds around all the lead singers all the rock in Hollywood for that. a while. Looking for somebody to write her music. You know this. Right, exactly. Also, uh, also, I also met, uh, speaking of famous people, and Ed, I also met um, Slash. Uh, uh, back in the day, Ed, Ed, played, a, Ed played a gig, uh, just solo. Um, on the, It's called Peace on the Beach. And... Uh, I think he was protesting the Iraq war or something. Uh, and uh, Slash was there. And uh, him and Ed, um, you know, I remember uh, it was Ed, Matt Gracie showed up. And then they set up, they set up, and then Slash showed up. And they played, like, wow. Imagine. Um, right. I, I do I do have photos of that somewhere. We share a birthday. Slash and I were July 23rd, both of us. Oh, I didn't know that. Same year or different oh, years, Dad? Different year. I think he's a little, maybe a year older than me. Oh wow, dude! Yeah. Then you look great for your age because he looks like he's got one foot in the grave. <laughs> well, he's listen. Slash has parted a lot harder than I have. <laughs> yeah, but I, I would I would have pegged his ass about ten years older than you for for sure. I don't know, Bobby. Look up Slash's age. I don't yeah, think he's Bobby, ten years older. Get on it, Bobby. You yeah, in with oh. the news. Yeah. Sorry, so, I digress. That's pretty cool meeting him, um, Slash, and um. Uh, just seeing him play Imagine with Ed um, right there on the beach. Uh, I, I think I even uploaded a video clip of it. Well, oh, way back no in the day, way. up to the Friends of Life website. Did so he bust out in a big guitar solo with a helicopter view? <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty. It was a. It, it, it was pretty. It was pretty fun. Pretty fun oh, game. Here we go. Um, is fifty? Oh, so he's oh, 65. Oh, yeah, he's uh, he's six years older than me. Yeah, and he looks fucking twelve years older than you, man. That, I mean, that I guy. Don't know. He still looks good for 58. Come on, man. Dude, if, if you get close <laughs> to that face, man, it look he's got makeup. Yeah, but that's a, that's a picture on stage when he's just like fucking rocking out. That's, oh, that's a bad don't picture. You, don't you stick up for him like that. Look at this. <laughs> Jesus. So he's that still in good helped. shape. He looks, I, I, I say Slash looks great there. Hell he's yeah. He's in a weird pose. I saw him for sure. <laughs> I think he's got. I think he's got problems with his hands. Um, like really bad arthritis, where it, it's always like stuck in a w- really weird position. Oh, Doesn't like to shake hands is what I heard. That's what uh, happened to Mick. Uh, was it Mick Mars from from uh, Motley Crue? He has oh, wow. some disease that's like basically folding his spine over, like it fuses his bone, his vertebrae. And he's oh wow! A lot of health problems, but then they kind of like they kind of just like left, kicked him out of the band, and continued to tour. He's pissed. Jeez, it's amazing how they could just do that nowadays. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm a, it happens. <laughs> yeah, I'm a, um, I want to topic Ed. Let me let me see if I can uh, uh, think of some stories for Ed. You know, Ed, uh, Ed and I we used to hang out um, uh, a lot after after shows and after gigs. Uh, I, I think of all the people, Ed would probably stay up the latest. He, he'd always oh, be yeah. out late. So, um, when I mean, we would end up in places. Like one time we were playing like Alabama or something, and uh, he'd go to he, him and I we'd, we'd go to like a club or a bar, and uh, he'd come in there and every after the show and like you know live fans in there and like so he'd go to the jukebox and he'd actually put live on the jukebox 
Nice. For all the fans to listen to, and he'd buy he'd buy drinks and stuff. Hell um, yeah. Whereas one 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 time, uh, I think it was a New Year's Eve. Uh, we went to um, we went. Uh, we went to some fan's house. I like after the show. I think Ed was just like, "Hey, where is there any parties around?" And <laughs> some fans just said, "Oh yeah, I'm throwing a huge party at my house. You want to go?" And he was just, "Yeah, sure, let's do it." And we would walk. Um, we'd have we'd go to this random a random fan's house, and you know, by the end of the night, like people were passed out on the couch. You know, damn he'd, dude. He'd be, you know, he'd be playing. We'd be playing pool. He'd be playing pool with people and. I mean, I don't know. It's just uh, that almost he famous. Do these random things that you wouldn't think like uh, people would do. But yeah, he he go and like fans uh, meet up with fans after the show, go to their houses. And just that's so. cool. I always man. thought that was really that was a really cool. Uh, I mean, uh, I know Ed gets a lot of shit sometimes, but um, people. Uh, I have to say, he's a uh, one of my one of uh, he's a good guy because uh, I remember um, way back in like around two thousand or something. He I. I was in a really, I was in a long relationship with somebody and we just broken up and I was just, you know, if anybody's in a really long relationship and get broken up or whatever, you know, you're, you're just kind of crushed for a while. You don't know what the hell you're doing and your mind's all in all kinds of different places. And yeah. I remember one time I was at work right after this. And uh, so I got a phone call and, uh, and Ed calls me and I'm like, why, why the hell would he call me? Like I, I haven't talked to him in a while because he's on, on tour. Um, and I remember I walked out, I stood outside the building and, uh, yeah, he would just, he literally, he would just call me and say, Hey, listen, man, I'm, I heard, I heard you had a really bad breakup. I was calling to make sure you're okay. You know, I was just checking up on you. And, uh, I, I'll always remember that. I was like, man, that's, you know, he's, uh, I think at that time he was, uh, either he, either he was dating somebody, um, this girl Beth and, uh, suddenly Tammy, I think he was, he was going out with her for a while. Oh, so wait, I felt like Ed yeah. was married since like day one. So Ed Kowalczyk was single and fucking ready to mingle for a while. Oh, yes. He was single. He was single. Yeah. He was, oh, my God. He was he a was, girl. Uh, he got married, I think, in 96 or 97, yeah. somewhere in there. Right, right around he the, the broke out really big. So and, much I mean, he was dating ass. her for a while and he was just for calling nice. me and saying, hey, man, shit happens. You know, you can hang there. So I always thought that was really, uh, I was, you know, he does get a lot of shit sometimes, but. I always remember the nice side of Ed, and he done he's done some really nice things. Uh, he'll I I remember when uh, I he's also into photography at one time. I on uh, I think uh, throwing cop tour or secret Mario tour, he'd always be running around with his Nikon camera, and so him and I would talk photography. And I remember I was shooting some slides, and uh, he hey can you shoot, uh, when you develop those slides, uh, come on by my place. I want to see what they look like and. Well, when I visit him, I'd, I'd like bring. I had a little handheld slide, a handheld slide um, viewer, and it was just like you know him and I are like and looking at all these live photos on this little tiny little screen, like two inch by two <laughs> inch. And um, so that Christmas, I I get a package in the mail, a big box, and it's like from Ed. Like, oh, he sent me some shit for Christmas. What the hell could this be? And I open it up, and it, he bought me a Kodak slide, like one of those Kodak slide machines. Where you put oh, in wow. all your 200 slides, and you know you you gather around for Thanksgiving or whatever, and you do the slideshows. So he actually bought me a really nice uh, slide wow. thing, which was really nice of him. And um, he used to send me Christmas cards, and uh, yeah, it was good, uh, good times. Like, yeah, I, I mean, I think I, after I, I think after a while, he just kind of got tired of the whole Hollywood scene and moved to, moved to Ohio thing after that or something. Well, because he's so not a fake person, and Hollywood is fake as fuck. So I'm sure it was like alluring at first. Yeah. Like, uh, you guys suck. So 
I mean, during, uh, his time in Hollywood was kind of interesting too, because um, uh, another hey, little tidbit here, was. Like, hold on, bud. Yeah. Wait, whoa, whoa. Uh, with that house you were talking about in Hollywood, was that this? Is that songs from Black Mountain? Is that that house? Is, no. The mountain behind? No. No. Uh, That's when he was living in Ohio. When, he, when that record uh, was written. Okay. Yeah. When that uh, um and the and the thing about um back in Hollywood uh, when he was living in Hollywood those few years uh um you know another life tidbit was uh Chris Shin. Uh, also was uh he also was in hollywood and i mean ed and chris used to hang out like all the time like every every week or every other week they would they'd oh, wow. so they were really um this is you know before before the breakup and then before chris um came to live as a, as a singer um but yeah i remember uh chris and ed they used to hang out quite a bit and uh even chris uh i mean he used to um chris was in a whole bunch of different like musical projects um, yeah so I and there was a place on uh, Melrose. It's called the gig, the gig on Melrose, and he'd always uh, he uh, he always play play shows there. So I I remember I'd, I'd I'd always go up there and like check out check out his little projects that he'd have like every mm, every uh, what is it uh, move as a verb move as a verb uh, everything is energy <laughs> and a whole bunch uh -huh. of stuff. And it was kind of cool too because he played uh, you know, sometimes he played with like, uh, you know Christopher Thorne and Brad Smith. Hell yeah. Um, the guys, the guys from Blind Melon, uh, later than uh, Unified Theory, so that whole, oh, yeah. that whole, that whole time frame, uh, uh, Christopher Thorne was around a lot, and Brad Smith. Uh, also, those guys had a lot of music projects too. Uh, one of my favorites is this one called Halo Halo Complex, was a band that um was a project that they they played in. They used to play a lot in the Hollywood area all all the time. So I'd I'd go see them, and it was uh right. I think it was right before um, Unified Theory. So Unified Theory in uh, in '97 was uh, the Secret Smarty tour. So they, you know, they got to open up for for oh, live wow. a whole bunch of whole whole bunch of shows. So, no, they opened up for us in '99 with the County Crows Unified Theory. Yeah. Nice. Um, yeah, I'm not. That was a good tour. I, <laughs> I remember that was my first time meeting them. Um, Meeting all those guys like Christian and Brad Smith and Christopher Thorne and all this uh, was on the Secret Smarty tour. Um, they played uh, uh, specifically. I remember they played like the Gorge in uh, in Washington. Uh, the other great thing about like hanging around hanging around live is over the years, I got to see so many really cool venues. One of my favorite venues is the Gorge in Washington. It's that mm -hmm. and, like I really like uh, I really like Red Rocks. Red Rocks. Um, yeah. I don't know, Chad, you probably those, those are those are some pretty cool oh, venues. Two of the most beautiful venues in the world. For yeah, sure. the Gorge. I mean, that was is is literally like a, a huge stage over over like this huge gorge uh, canyon. It's super beautiful. Oh. Um, I actually have some video of uh, one of these days when I when I unpack all my boxes and shit. I actually have videos from the '97 show uh, with Unified Theory at the Gorge. Yes. Um, that's really cool. Also, I think Chad, I think you went um that little that canyon, I I believe you went hiking down there or something, found like some golf balls and some skull skeleton skull. Uh, yeah, I did like, hike uh, down in there, but you can also like whack these eco friendly golf balls off the side of the yes, canyon. Eco friendly golf balls. Yeah. Um have some oh, photos of the guys like eco friendly golf balls. Get out of yeah. here. Golf balls are so small anyway. <laughs> yeah, they're biodegradable. <laughs> but uh that that was uh that was that was good. Those were those were really good shows. That that secret Samadhi show at the Gorgeous. That's probably one of my favorites. Um, that was I think maybe one of the very first times where Ed during like white discussion, in the middle of white discussion, like he would disappear, 
he, yeah. he might go off the stage and the rest of the band is going crazy playing white yeah. discussion and ed would like throw on his feather boa yeah off feather boa, and he like he'd start running out full speed at the crowd like all crazy eyed and like just going nuts during that song so um yeah i have a lot of footage of that uh one of these days well i have to digitize them and Dude, you totally have to. that purple boa fucking shit was awesome, man. I remember because yeah. for like Started a couple doing that. Off stage, this guy's then, crazy. Yeah, <laughs> just came running out, fucking eyes wide. That was dope. Yeah, that was that was pretty cool. Uh, that's definitely one of my one of my favorite tours. I've been to so many shows, but uh, I really like the old Secret Samadhi days. Those were, those are those are really good shows. Um, so band what like, coast were you living on at the time? Were you because you seem to be in California? I, I was in. Uh, I'd always been in California. So, ah, gotcha. Southern, Southern, Kami, Kami, California. Gotcha. So, uh, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I've seen a lot of good bands. Love Spit Love was one of my favorite. Love Spit Love was on. Uh, I think at the time they were on Maverick Records, which was the same label as Candlebox, which is of course Kevin Martin. Um, really, uh, I, I, I got a chance to like really. Uh, also, that tour was the first time I, I met Kevin Martin was on Secret Samadhi. So he went to see. Um, he went to see live at uh, when they played Seattle. It was at the Moore oh, wow. Theater, and uh, I remember he was backstage. I'm like, oh shit, that's you know, that's Kevin Martin from Cannabox. That's fucking great. Yeah, that was the first time I ever met him. Was uh, um, back in '97. So he was he cool. He was, at the, he was at the live show um, when they played Seattle. Was he, cool? was he nice to you? And being from that area, was he nice to you, Jimmy? Was he a cool guy? Oh yeah, he's always. Man, okay, Kevin, always he's awesome. he's always cool. super nice, and he'll yep. you know. Yeah, uh, he'll he'll talk to you about anything. That guy is like really, uh, he's a very. Um, it, it, if anybody ever gets a chance to speak with him, man, he's he's a super cool guy. He'll talk about any topic. He seems really well versed. Um, I well, I first saw Kevin uh when he was with Candlebox in '94, actually. So in '94, um, so Madonna, uh, Madonna had uh, her first record label was Maverick Records and that was the very first band that they signed was uh, Candlebox on Maverick Records and oh, wow. uh, so in 94 uh, if you recall from my earlier conversations Neil being a Neil from Rush being a huge fan of music he he um, he really wanted Candlebox to open up on the tour so he got them to open up he got Candlebox to open up for Rush on the 94 is a counterparts tour and so that was my very first time seeing Cambox. I saw them. Uh, I saw. I saw them 17 times on that tour. Damn! They were, wow. they were, they were, they were an opening band, but <laughs> it was it was really cool to see though. I mean, uh, I think the guitarist at the time he played like little things like "Fly by Night" by Rush and like get the crowd all crazy. And then Ed, and then and, um, I mean, and then Kevin would just be like, "No, no, 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 we're not doing that." <laughs> uh, but yeah, I saw uh, that was the, my first exposure to Cambox. Was in I, I, they're a freaking great man. That first album is just man. That first. Candlebox album, Legendary, classic. dude. That really, really good. album is killer, man. But yeah, Kevin, um, Kevin and Candlebox is really, uh, yeah, I love those guys. And of course, later, you know, Kevin with the gracious, the gracious few, um, yeah, was another amazing, amazing run. Um, just awesome front man. Uh, awesome front man. Yeah, I think one time, uh, well, on one of my anniversaries, I don't know if you know about this chat, but he's so cool that, um, Kevin, if you're listening, thanks, buddy. But anyways, uh, yeah, he actually stopped the Candlebox show right in the middle of the Candlebox show, and he wished um my wife and I a happy anniversary. Nice. <laughs> like, what the hell? Damn, but he's just that kind of guy. He's like just a really really cool guy. Um, yeah, I miss Kevin. But uh, yeah, those the the Gracious Feud tours, man, that was uh that was pretty freaking amazing to to 
what a great lineup. I mean, yeah, good. good That's lineup. like a superstar musician lineup right there, like the fucking traveling yeah. wheelbarrows or some shit. I, I, I think the one time, uh, the one gracious few show that I saw, uh, oh, actually, it was the gracious few live and Candlebox all in one show. It was at uh, South by Southwest. Shut the fuck up, no. And, you never knew about this, John? No, I, I was just like, wow. Yeah, was so cool. I, I flew out for South by Southwest and uh, went to see the show. I was like, wow. Wh- whenever am I going to see like live and Candlebox and and um, you know just, and and the gracious few all in one all in one stage? Right. It was crazy. I mean, I felt really bad for. Uh, I felt really bad for Sean. Um, who's playing guitar? Because he, I mean, everybody at least got a break, you know. But Sean played all three. He played with all three bands. Wow. <laughs> like, right. so, who who so, sang uh, there to me? Was that who was singing for live at that show? That was Christian. Yeah, it was Christian. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, oh so it was God, Chris and then, so... um, Kevin. Also, also, I thought that was kind of strange because I think that was the first and last, if I recall, uh, time that. Uh, so, I uh, remember. Um, uh, live try to play uh, uh oh what is it they, they played they played a candlebox song um <laughs> uh they played a candlebox song uh, far i think it was uh far behind and then oh. and then uh kevin uh did a song with live uh or something and played like lightning crashes with candlebox or something like that and i thought it was really weird i'm uh, trying to remember what we did <laughs> and then um so I know that yeah, uh, yeah, you had that, to be tired as fuck in the gracious view and then playing in live. I mean, do you remember how many songs you did in each? Because that seems like a big task on drums, dude. Well, the gracious view was first, so we played. I don't know, I forget, maybe seven or eight songs. I'm not sure. And then live played a little bit longer. So yeah, a little tiring, but yeah, got through it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I think I think after that show, everybody just kind of agreed, like, okay, let's just uh, let's just stick to our stuff. <laughs> Right. Yes. Yeah. But, uh, the greatest of few, we tried to do far behind a couple of times, and we tried to do like Lakini's Juice a couple of times, and then yeah. we decided, you know, let's fuck it, we'll just play the, um, the original. Also, stuff. Uh, that was that. Uh, I think uh, Gracious View. Um, oh, I saw them uh, at the at the Troubadour in L.A., and uh, you guys started doing a, a Depeche Mode cover of um, "It's No Good." Yeah, I thought it was awesome because. Uh, not not a lot of people know, but the Pesh Mode is my uh, my guilty pleasure. I have, <laughs> seen, I have seen the Pesh Mode every single tour since '86 on their um I think it was been Violator tour I think. So yeah, I've seen. What I've were seen you Depeche fucking Mode four so years old times, in 1986? Yeah, 1986. Um, they had Violator, and I've How seen them then, every then? single tour. How old were you in '86? In '86, I was 15 years old. Oh my was, god, uh, you look young man. Yeah, that was crazy. Was I was like. Actually, it was one of my very first shows. Um, my mom, I was so young, my mom wouldn't let me go to any concerts. But um, uh, fifteen, I was, I was, I was in college when I was, when I was at, when I was fifteen years, I was in college. And then when you're in college, you kind of, I get to do what I want. So when yeah. I started, when my first year in college, I was going to like U two. I was seeing Joshua Tree, the original Joshua Tree tour. I saw the Pesh Mode whenever I saw Rut. I, I started going crazy. I said, like, oh, "Man, I'm free. I can go to concerts." My mom would never let me go to concerts when I was that young. But uh, <laughs> well, when you're on your own in college, you're like, oh well, shit, I'll, I'll just do it. But um, yeah, that was really cool to hear uh, the Depeche Mode. Hey, who's that? Whose idea was that, Chad, to do that Depeche Mode cover? I think maybe it was Kevin's. Oh okay. Well, yeah, I, don't was, know, I don't know exactly, but I'm thinking it was Kevin. Yeah, that was uh, that was that was that was super cool to super cool to see. Um, oh, I know, I know one thing I was thinking about since the last podcast was uh, so Chad. Uh, 
I think the very first time that line got is like like super super duper popular was uh, when you guys went to Brazil, like way back in the day. Your first trip to mm-hmm. Brazil. I yeah. mean, you guys were playing like you know festivals and stadiums and stuff. Um, uh, do do you remember? Do you recall that at all? Like, I you were way more popular in Brazil than you were in in the U.S. I mean, but everybody in Brazil knew you guys. Well, Mental Jewelry went down there and we played a bunch of clubs and stuff, and then they put the. Uh, Pain Lazlin and Riverside in a cigarette commercial down there and oh, wow. it blew up. And so then we went back and played, what was it, Rock and Rio? But it was a gigantic festival in Rio. But I don't think it was Rock and Rio. It was in and Sao Paulo, right? It was, there was so- one in Sao Paulo, one in Rio. We played two of them. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, one of- yeah. and that was, that was like, we, we, were, we were playing throwing copper stuff before it came out. And there was like a hundred thousand people there. It was not a small crowd, dude. It was yeah. Fun. They were th- and some of them were throwing uh, uh, Evian bottles full of urine at us. Great, <laughs> yummy. Awesome. And we went on right before Sapatora. So I don't know if you're familiar, but yes, it's like Brazil's version of like fucking death metal. And they're awesome band. But, like they went on right after us, and so their fans are like, get these jackasses off the stage. <laughs> yeah, hippie loving freaks. Actually, um, huh. Yeah, I'm surprised, Chad, that you, you remember that it was from a cigarette commercial. So I I found that cigarette commercial. Um, I don't know, John, if you want to have Bobby or hey Bobby, if you could pull up YouTube. Oh, Jimmy, there's like just, a forty oh, there's like I a forty second that. clip. Or I've never seen it. That's, that's funny. Like, this is awesome. I've never even you, seen uh, this. If you if you go to YouTube and yeah. you and you search in YouTube, um, uh, Pain Lies on Riverside commercial. Um, there's a there's a, the cigarette company. They actually use that song for in their commercial, and uh, you can you can see a clip of it uh, on there. Okay, but I, I thought it was really. I, was I think I got I heard it. I was like, I wonder how they got so popular in Brazil, and it was because of a cigarette commercial. Yep. Ironically enough, Chad, you don't even like cigarettes or smoke. No, nope, from all not. the from all the no smoking signs that I used to see you go around backstage, <laughs> putting them every everywhere you could, like no smoking, no smoking. Not I don't like smoking. smoking. <laughs> Good for you, Chad. Proactive. We almost we almost got into like a fist fight with a uh, third eye blind because of that shit. Oh no way! Yeah, <laughs> Sacramento. Sacramento. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna play that for you, Jimbo. I think I got it. Oh wait a second. Hold on. This is funny. I've never even seen this Hollywood. Yeah, I think that's, that's it right there. there. Yep. Yeah, that's, that's, that's the one. I just that's the one that's I got out. to uh, share with sound. Ever do that? Ba-ba-bum. Yeah. Uh, so they started playing that, and like pretty much everybody in Brazil knows that song. It's so crazy. Here we go. Frozen. Oh no. Internet. Uh let me see here, folks. I don't know. Is it me? Can you hear me guys? Yeah, we can hear you, yeah. Alright, let's see. Follow. A full screen. I'm not sure what's going on here. Uh, I will bring it up again, but just give me a second. Bear with all the technical difficulties. Um, yeah, I also had some um, uh, cool footage of that first that first uh, trip to Brazil. Uh, you guys in clubs and doing the samba and yeah, yeah, it was cool to go to Brazil. I loved it. It was fun. Like they'd uh, take us around like farmers markets and stuff on days off, like the record company and. You go to these friggin' markets and they have like just carcasses of animals hanging around, like flies all over and shit. You're like, this is a little different than America. 
<laughs> and then it just give you raw sugar cane to chew on, like it was a treat. You just pick a take a piece of raw sugar cane and just chew on it. You sure that wasn't a cocoa leaf there, buddy? Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> sound or no sound? Nothing's uh, happening right now. You gotta hit, you gotta hit the play button. Oh, I'm just playing on my end, dude. I'm totally fucked over here. Okay. All right. Well, uh, well, next time, ladies and gentlemen. This is a bunch of bullshit. Yeah. Bobby <laughs> had to take off, unfortunately. He was our main man for that, but he had to leave early today. And, uh, oh. <laughs> God damn it, Bobby. That's it. I fucking need you. Right. <laughs> damn it. And it's funny when you're talking but, uh, about I digress there, Jim. Sorry about that. Yeah, no worries. Uh, it's funny so when you're talking guys, about you know major there. Do you know how the cigarette commercial came about? I guess this was management or no idea. I have no wow. idea. I don't. I don't know. I think the record company did something down there, and I don't know who gave them permission. I don't, maybe you someone on our side did for it or anything. That's fucking shady, man. I'm sure we got paid somehow for it, but um, certainly worked. Yeah. I mean, because I, I think the one, like, there's video from 1994, I believe, in Sao Paulo, Brazil. Ed's wearing, like, some fucking green flannel shirt. And he's got long-ass curly hair. And, like, it just goes behind, you know, the whole band you guys play, and you look out at the crowd, and it's like a Woodstock fucking crowd. Yeah, that was that was the show. Yeah, was yeah. With, the, with the piss bottles. <laughs> I did not see that in the, in the video, but... I got uh, in the stomach of one. I remember it distinctly. Damn, dude. Came up over the set. Did it have a cap on it? <laughs> yes. Oh, thank God. Yeah, thank God is right, man. Well, are they stupid though? I mean, take the fucking cap off. Dude, we went to Brazil one time, like in sometime in the mid two thousands, and we played at this festival. We were the headliner, and it was in uh, Belo Horizonte, a place we'd never been. Uh huh. And uh, it was in a stadium, and we got to the stadium. Probably around three or four in the afternoon. We were yeah. supposed to go on at we were supposed to go on I think at nine or ten. Oh wow. And it was basically all Brazilian bands except for us. So every fucking band played like an hour over their set time. Oh god. We so at like at midnight we're like, okay, we're fucking out of here. You know, we're not we're not staying here any longer. So we told right. our tour manager, like, go tell these motherfuckers we're done. We're not staying here. And his name was uh, Matt Murphy. And he comes back in and he's like ashen face looking at us. And we're just like, dude, what the fuck are we leaving? And he's looking at us like, we, we can't leave. And we're like, what do you mean we can't fucking leave? He opens up the door. And there's two policemen standing there with automatic weapons. They're like, no, nope, you're not leaving. We're like, wow. Oh, I guess we're playing. We went on at like 1.30 a.m. And we were like, who the fuck's going to be here at 1.30 a.m.? Fucking packed. Totally. The whole crowd was there. But again, they threw piss bottles at us. Even oh, my God. They brought <laughs> yes. it back. They, they brought, brought it back. back. That's amazing. But, yeah, that was the latest we ever went on. But we were like, uh, yeah, I guess we're staying for this I show. Not leaving. Thank you. Latest, The latest you went on, and it was by gunpoint. <laughs> yes, basically. Aye, aye, aye. Hmm. Let me see here. Uh, uh, also, uh, let me see here if I can remember on the uh, some other cool things on the Secret Body Tour. Um, I saw the band play in San Francisco at the Warfield Theater, and uh, that was the first time I saw uh, Jennifer Charles. Uh, she came on stage to sing. So Jennifer oh. Charles, if you guys know, she sang on um, Ghost. 
Yeah. Oh yes. So, so that was pretty cool. I think she came out and sang on a couple shows. So that was that was really cool. Because I was shocked. Her voice Jimmy? was awesome. Was she a good looking chick? Because she sounded hot as fuck. I don't remember, but I don't remember she, her sound. Was she was a cute awesome. little petite brunette. Yeah, she was a cute girl. Nice. You're that was the same show. Um, uh, I think uh, uh, so. Uh, a- after the show, um, uh, Taylor introduced me to this guy. It was the first time I've ever met Caesar Diaz. So Caesar mm-hmm. Diaz, uh, if you guys remember, um, his amp, his amp that says Diaz is on the back of. It's on the photo in the artwork or Secret Smarty. You, you see the vacuum tube. But uh, uh, Cesar Diaz was the guy. He, you know, he built a lot of amps. He worked with a lot of famous people too. Like he did um, Stevie Ray Vaughan. He worked with and. Keith Richards, Neil Young. So, yeah, Caesar was like the guru of guitar, like big, yeah. big guys like Stevie Ray Vaughan and Keith Richards. Like he was Keith Richards' guy forever and ever. Then he started yeah. making his own amps, which are, I think, even to this day sought after. And he unfortunately passed away quite a few years ago. Yeah. But uh, yeah, his amps are legendary. Chad loved them. I think he still does. Yeah, great sounding amps. But yeah, he, he would tell stories about Keith Richards that were fucking hilarious, dude. Oh my god. Caesar. Yeah, great story. Like there was Keith Richards, there would literally be a death pool on every fucking uh, every <laughs> Rolling Stones tour. Yeah. And guess who would win the death pool every time? Because it was always on Keith Richards dying on tour. And he would yeah. always be in it. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> yeah. But come know. on. So I don't great. even know how he's alive or him it's, and Ozzy. It's amazing. I mean, yeah. Those two Good guys. Point. I mean, him and Ozzy, that's crazy. Dead. For sure. Maybe that's you know. the kids. Do drugs. They lie. Yeah, do drugs, smoke cigarettes. Fuck it. <laughs> yeah, His autobiography is really good, too. Um, it's called Life. Uh, oh, yeah? He's got some crazy, crazy uh, stories in there. Um, yeah, man, that's really, that's, that's really nuts. Uh so yeah, I met I met uh, Caesar Diaz, which which for me was like pretty cool because I I mean of all the albums I I one of my favorite is probably Secret Somebody by maybe a hair. So just to meet like Caesar Diaz, that's like, my favorite. Guy responsible for some of that sound on that album was just like for um, sure that was really that was that was really cool. That's um, dope. Uh, I think also I don't remember on that was it maybe that tour or maybe after Secret Somebody. Uh, I remember one trip I was uh. You guys were at Jerry Harrison's house. <laughs> I remember like driving, driving there or something. And on the one on the highway one, uh, up in Big Sur area is uh, the, the Henry Miller Museum of all things. And uh, I remember I stopped at the Henry Henry Miller Museum, and of course Ed being a huge fan of Henry Miller, in the back pocket, you little fucker. <laughs> um, That's right. So yeah, but I, I think I got I got some stuff from the Henry Miller Museum. Um, no. That was. That was really nice. Uh, I think I even I I'm pretty sure it was Jerry Harrison's house. You guys did some recording there, right? We recorded in in north of Sausalito, and Jerry lives in Mill Valley, and so yeah. Mill Valley's right there. So yeah, we went to Jerry's house a bunch of times during that. But we recorded at a studio up there near Skywalker Ranch. It was like right across the road from Skywalker Ranch. Um, but the studio was great. That was the first time. I, did you come up and set up a computer so we could like communicate with people online? I might have. I don't and that was the first time, like, we started, you know, like, you, you get fucking haters. Yeah, even back then, this was like 98, and you had trolls <laughs> online fucking. Oh, yeah. I would start getting into it with them. <laughs> like, no. why, why, why are you here? <laughs> why are you here to fucking start shit? Right. And, uh, yeah, was during that record, that's I went and watched Saving Private Ryan in the theater. The record. Or the yeah, sequel, Saving Ryan's Privates, which is my favorite version. 
Um, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, sorry. Yeah, the uh, oh, trolls are trolls are my favorite. I have a lot oh, of history with uh, a lot of history with trolls and fans in general. I mean, yes. for uh, for the most part, though, I got to say, like the live fans are really they're really cool. But oh, they all live, really, yeah. for sure. As You're with like- every group, there's few people in there is like you're like no lives fucking teddy bear over there jimmy you could do no wrong in the fans of live community that's for sure oh that's all right i i got really thick skin so well, I, I probably know some of those people in there so i was gonna say but just just as far as reception goes every there was not a bad word i heard about last week's episode everybody was all hell jimmy so oh well <laughs> thanks people i mean i try to be nice to the fans because at the end of the day you know even I mean, even all the guys in the band, they're they're always gracious to the fans because, you know, obviously that's where the bread and money is. But uh, me, I I had a little bit of a leeway because I wasn't in the band. So if, if they're going to be an ass to me, then, well, I'll just be an ass back. Um, sure. I used to have a – I think I chilled out a lot over the years, though. So apologies to anybody in the past that I have offended. Um, yeah, and fucking – anyway. <laughs> Sorry, Jim. A while ago, but sorry for being an asshole. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but yeah, there's a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of history with, uh, with me and the fans in general, though, like I said, I always tried to be like super nice to the fans. Cause I, I, and when I ran them, when, when I helped to run the mailing list, um, I, and because I was running the mailing list and the, the message boards, I got to know like a shitload of fans and I'm uh, sure. I got rides with many of them from show to show. Some of them let me stay at their places. Thanks wow. guys. Uh, save me a buck here and there. Um, but yeah, I, I, uh, and in return, I mean, because I got to see a lot of the fan interactions, like I would know after a while, like, oh, this this person's a huge fan or this this. And, you know, I would try to I would try to give back, I guess, in a way. So I yeah. would like, you know, I'd ask if I can put them on the guest list. Nice. And that was way that was one way that uh, I could give back. I mean, not um, so uh, probably not a lot of people know this. Uh, Chad, probably you don't even know this, but you know. So when they did the guest list for the shows, uh, you know, the fan, the official fan club, Homespun and Friends of Life, they would get like maybe like two or three, you know, maybe four at the most or something. So a lot of times, um, the they would give out passes, but they were only allowed like certain amount of passes. So I would always be working with Michelle, and Michelle would always ask me, "Hey, Jimmy, you know, for this particular show, do you think there's any way?" So between Michelle and I. I would, I mean, she would turn in her list, but then after that, I would turn in my list, which would have extra names that she would give me. And the band was, and the band and the management were always so nice to me. I don't think they've ever said no to me on any guest list. So I would, uh, so I would supplement her guest list by, I mean, that was all, I, the way I viewed it was, uh, you know, in the long run, it's all about the fans and like, you know, trying to, trying to help out fans meet. I mean, I mean, I can imagine me if I was like a Rush fan or something and someone, Hey, you want to meet Neil? I'd be like, freaking awesome. Of course. So I would always try to do really nice things to fans. I'd, I'd hook them up on guest list. I'd, I'd help Michelle out with a fan club. I'd I sometimes catching, walk the crowd and been, I remember I would have like tickets. I would, uh, there's some shows like I remember in Phoenix, I would go up into the balcony and, uh, I would see huge fans in the balcony and I would like, I would upgrade them to like a front row or something. <laughs> so I would do, I do shit like that. A lot of times I was a photographer. So I was in the pit and in those, in those clubs where it's, you're just so packed, man. And it's really hot in some of those clubs. And I, I would have like bottles of water and I'd always run them to people in the middle of the crowd. <laughs> I'd give them bottles of water. Um, so Jimmy, 
I mean, if I kind of had that little position of power right there, I probably wouldn't be getting sexual favors for some of that. Did you get any uh, any loving for that? <laughs> no, dude, I'm not. John, you're the pervert. That's not my. That's I, not my. That's not my. I would never never use a bang for that. But I mean, I've never done you know, that. For me, it was more. About Heart to be next to the fans and, my hero. I mean, um, I mean, I'll say this that uh, one time I know I can probably say this because Chad was single at the time, but I remember one show in particular in Atlanta. Um, he was drumming, and um, uh, I, I and I think during the middle of the show, I was on one of the side of the stage, and Sean Williams, um, their tech, he was on the other side of the stage, and he kept, and Sean kept saying, "Hey, come over here, come over here, come over here," and I had the walk, I had the, I got my way to the other crowd, and, he, and I go, "What's up?" And he says, "Hey, Chad wants you to run these passes down to these two blondes in the middle of a crowd." <laughs> I was yes. like, "What?" I was like, "It's happened." You mean like now? It's like. Yeah, man, he's drumming right now. I can't do it because I'm working. And well, here's two passes. Now, I'll point them out to you. Now, right over there, if you just look. So I would, I'd run down and I'd, I'd give him passes. Rock star shit. Gotta figure out some way to meet these girls. Chad, <laughs> you never fucking gave me passes when I was out in the crowd. Oh, you're not a girl. <laughs> I kind of look at one when I shave, so. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, we had fun on that. That there's a little window between uh, my my first my first marriage and my and meeting my my second my second ex now. Yeah, um, <laughs> where I was, uh, you know, having I was fun. enjoying my rock stardom. Put it that way. So it was nice. It was fun. Yeah, I mean, if I if you were experiencing that, I I was wondering how you settled down that second time. But that's for a later show when we don't have Jimmy on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, get the love yeah. button, you know. Hats. Yeah, I tell you though, like the the fan stuff is you know kind of interesting. I'm mean, at one that's uh, even as years go by and the years go by, like I remember, like even the management or even the guys and say, hey, do you know this person? Hey, do you know this fan? What are they like? So, I, you know, I'd be like, yeah, okay, that guy's really cool. He's a huge fan. He's cool. Ah, oh, that one uh, talk shit about you. <laughs> or, you know, just <laughs> after a while, I get to know uh, a lot of fans, of course. You know, just going to so many shows and pretty cool. But the, I think, I mean, the 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 best fan base is, you know, Australia is always like a huge place for the band to play. Also, Netherlands is a really huge. Yeah, yeah. Netherlands was really cool. That was the first time I ever had a shawarma, and uh, yeah, I my first trip, my first trip there. And um, I think Chad, you were saying to me like, oh, hey, we're staying in this hotel over here right by the river. There's this awesome shawarma place, and I was like, "What is a shawarma?" He's like, yeah, no, we would always stay at the Grand. Like, well, what is it? I can't describe always, it. You got to try it. Yeah, we always stay so, at the Grand Hotel. It's like it's like you know, shawarma is like yeah, it's like street food, but it's like a you know, pita with some some yep. chopped up meat and you know, yeah. hot sauce and stuff. That was, was really good. Yeah, yeah, that was always good. Like all those trips to the Netherlands were really good. I uh one one time in the Netherlands, I was I was walking by the river and you know I hear my name Jimmy. I was like, okay, there's no way in hell anybody <laughs> knows me and they would know me in 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 Netherlands, Amsterdam, or as I call it, Amsterdamage, of all mm-hmm. places. Uh, and I look over and um, it's Matt Gracie and Patrick, and they're in a they're in a little shop. <laughs> yeah, oh, cool. Taking coffee shop. Coffee shop. Yes. Uh-huh. I gotta tell you, my, that was also my first time. Uh, Mama, I hope you're not listening to this. I had some uh, Um, but uh, I, I okay. So someone persuaded me to try the brownie. So I, I had a brownie. They twisted your arm. I tried this one brownie. Look at her. Right. And I waited about 20 minutes. I'm like, 
man, this shit is not working. Oh, what is this? Isn't doing anything oh, to me that's, at all. That's the, that's I went the and got a mistake brownie. right there. Yes, <laughs> I went and got a second brownie because I figured oh, oh, God. Oh, I didn't have enough. So I got a second brownie. You gotta remember, this is my very first time doing brownies. Wow. Thanks, um, five. Uh, and then I was like, uh, so I forget to realize that it takes a while for it, your body to, you know, to start processing that and absorb it. Mm-hmm. And wow. I re- remember people telling me, well, maybe it was Patrick or something. Was like, you know, the best, the best stuff. How do you know when it's the best stuff? Because you're, you're paranoid. <laughs> I remember sitting there right when the brownies kicked in after yeah. I had two already. Uh, and I swear, I thought the walls like were closing in on me, but oh weren't boy. really. And then I would look at the clock on the wall and then I'd be like, you know, 20 minutes, I look at the clock again, but then why is the clock went backwards? It was one o'clock, but now I swear it is noon. Something oh happening. And who are these people that just got in? They're probably after me. And <laughs> that, was, that was, uh, yeah. Amps, Amsterdam is just, uh, a lot of, a lot of really good shows. A lot of fun times there. The I'm jealous. Filming the filming of the DVD was done there. Yeah, uh, the, they had the the cool thing about the Netherlands is they had a really really well run uh, fan club called Subculture Live. And oh, that the, was them. Yeah, I Subculture Live. Right. And, uh, yeah, they're really really good, really really good people. I mean, I, and they would always bug me for photos. If any of their fanzine, probably like eighty percent of the photos were my photos. But I was always hooked them up with photos, and uh, every time the band would play Netherlands, I would um. I'd, I'd ask them for names of like uh, really big fans that they would want hooked up. And then I would pass those names on to the guest list. And then those guys got backstage passes and they held a big party. I think when they had the DVD uh, release party, they had a huge party and the whole fan club and a whole bunch of fans showed up. Um, uh, and uh, uh, one of the parties, I, I took one of the DVDs that I had with me of a, of the 98 chameleon show yeah. that had like new city on it. Cause one of the guys in the subculture of live guys are like, hey, can you bring one? Of, can, you, can you bring something that we can show on the screen that nobody you know, has seen? So I actually bought um, in '98 when they played the three shows at the Chameleon Club before the release of Distance to Here. I bought yeah. one of the DVDs from one of those shows, and they played them on a big screen. And I mean, everyone was so busy like meeting the guys. And the people that were paying attention would have heard a lot of new stuff like New City and Don't Wait. There's wow. a song on there called Don't Wait, which I really liked. Um, Yo, Jimmy, where is that? Do you have that still? Oh, yeah, I have all that stuff. That um, is a must-fucking-release. You got to find that and the, get that out, dude, please. Oh, I will. The, the crazy thing about those, those, like those three shows, because it was before Distance to Here came out, um, there was a lot of uh, things in those songs themselves were different like uh like yeah. facing ghosts uh it did a lot of the um uh he Dude. he added new he added new verses and new lyrics to it so uh, a lot of those songs that they played there were kind of like early versions of songs that eventually made it to distance to here and then and of course some songs didn't make it that, like don't wait right. for example new city um but yeah the the those 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 three shows were really cool and i taped all three of those all three nights and yeah. so I got like to see different um, different versions of the songs before they even made it to the record. The, wow. the other cool thing about those shows were uh, Christopher Thorne was on stage and he played steel guitar. But also they had Jerry Harrison there. So Jerry Jerry Harrison was um, he was playing keyboards. Um, so yeah, on the communion club was like you know this big party. You know Jerry Harrison's there and Chris Thorne's there and like every all these crazy songs that live fans hadn't heard. 
Exactly. Um, some eventually made it to the record, um, but maybe a little bit different version. Um, yeah. And then some never made it to the records. Yeah. So those, are, those those three shows are really um. They're really cool. Yeah, they're legendary. They're in the books as some of the fucking like I said, I I got to see their Stone Pony concert in '98, and it was the same thing where. They played four songs that I knew. The rest were all new, and it was either going to the distance or didn't make it to it. Overcome being one of those songs, and it was just—they were phenomenal. Every song, "Change," I think, is one of my favorite. That oh yeah, to, that one's awesome. Ah, uh, needs to be released. Yeah, the I mean, just those early shows before "Distance to Here," and I'm, I think that whole time, that time period, probably my favorite. Like the between Super Samadhi, "Distance Here," there was so much. Cool stuff. Uh, they open. They used to open up with uh, "Where Fishes Go." It's the damn yes. out of creek, which I think is an awesome opener. Um, uh, What's the, your favorite one, live album, by the way? Oh uh, man, that's a tough one. I I I like Secret Smarty for some reason. I don't know. Wow, nice. Dark, a little bit dark. Drumming is awesome on there. I, the music on there is great. It's very yeah, gritty. That's probably my like favorite it. too. It's very wow. rock and roll. Uh, I mean, once you start introducing keyboard players and keyboards. And then I don't know if it's a rock and roll band anymore. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I mean, this is a hero. I mean, I, I, I mean, not my choice. Raylo <laughs> was on there and stuff. Dude, and, do not um, rip on the. I'm more of a. Here. Yeah, I'm more of a rock and roll, like just straight four piece rock band. Hmm. Oh, so for me. Me like, too, that, Jimmy. Me too. <laughs> yeah, that whole period was like a great. The the where fishes go is an opener. I I still think, man, that's that's an awesome opener. Almost. Some 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 shows that I saw were even I think that's an even better opener than Damn Rotter Creek. So the this what happened? Like, the, the band would come on stage and they were they'd play really hard and all of a sudden and but there'd be no Ed about about a minute later then Ed would enter the stage in the middle of where fishes go but he'd have like he'd be dressed up as a pimp or something and he had like this huge <laughs> cane and he'd walk out he'd walk across the stage with his cane yeah. looking like a pimp. I mean, the whole visual, I was like, what in the hell? And then they just broke right in the where fishes go. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God, this is so awesome. Yeah, it was a cool, like, creative experimental time for the band. Those were fucking great years, man. Uh, oh, Jim, man, that was a, do, um, a lot of really good shows. Um, a lot of really good shows. Here, Jimbo, we always like to leave them more, but if you got one more story for us, we could sneak it in. Uh, let me tell a Raylo story, because Raylo is probably one of Chad's favorite people oh ever. Oh, my God. Oh, no, actually, I have to say, I'll, I'll preface this story by saying, um, uh, from Let my me understanding, preface it by saying, Raylo is an amazing musician. He's a he fucking is. amazing musician. Yeah. Um, he just has some substance those. abuse problems, but I yeah. think he's better but, now. Yeah. From, yeah, I think, and, and that's why I don't feel so bad. Yeah. Um, I know he's, uh, from my understanding, he's, he's chilled out quite a bit, actually. So, um, oh, good. good for him. That's good to hear. But I remember that, because, man, sometimes, uh, um, Raylo would play like a, he he'd play like Imagine in the wrong key, and <laughs> now some people can't see it because Ed won't face the stage. But when Ed turned around, when he play, and I could see it because I'm on the side of the stage, and he would just have like these eyes like I will kill you, like he would he oh man he it's like how can this guy play Imagine in the wrong key of all right. and it's because he, he was drunk a lot of times and. To the point where uh, drunk, shows yeah. where I would <laughs> I would show up and um, I you know I'd be roaming around and I'd go into the dressing room. And Matt Gracie would be in the in the dressing room. He's like, help me, man, help me! Like, help you do what? It's like we gotta hide all this shit. Okay, what are we hiding? 
we got to have all these bottles of alcohol. I need them all out of here. I need them all out. So, uh, yeah, we just tried to clear the dressing room of alcohol before the band would arrive because once the band arrived, the first thing Raylo would be looking for would be bottles. It's a little bit early to start drinking. You haven't even played a, you haven't even played a note yet. So, yeah, there were some pretty dark shows where I was like, oh, my God. No, Ray, Jimmy, that's funny you mentioned drunk. that because there's times where I'm listening to Ray, I'm like, that, and I'm not, you know, I'm not much of a musician, but I'm like, that doesn't sound right. But now I know that sometimes it wasn't right. He was a little fucked up. <laughs> a little, yeah. <laughs> ton of, ton of, ton of instances. Like, that wasn't even, like, there's a lot of shows like that for Raylo. A lot of shows like that. Good for him, man. If you're fucking, you know. But I think he's better now, so good. Let's do it. I would have been the fifth member of Live that was the worst substance abuser there would have been. So Raylo's got nothing on me. Um, I don't know about that. <laughs> Raylo's bad. He, uh, he's a Liverpool cat, so, you know, he's, he's ah. Liverpool, England. So he's, he's a scouser, as you would call himself. Well, I want to thank the one and only Jimmy Lang, our first guest to have a two-parter, man. Thank, thank you, Jimmy. Thank you, on, buddy. And no worries. You got right. anything you want to tell the audience? Uh, no, well, thanks for uh, listening to my stories. I'll try to remember to come up with some more cool stories. Maybe yeah, uh, we'll later on down the line, we'll do another one. Oh, um, yeah. If you ever start a project, uh, I would just tell people, make sure you finish it. As you can see, I haven't, uh, I got some work to do. Yes. <laughs> I haven't quite finished it. it. But, uh, but thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on, dude. Thank Real you, Jimmy. Appreciate All right, guys. it, bud. I'll and talk to you later. In the future. Take care, dude. Ciao. The one and only Jimmy Lang, man. Back at him. Thank you, sir. Chad, that was a, a walk down memory lane there, bro. Absolutely. That's why I, that's why that's that's why I love having him on, but live fans in general. I just I want to hear their stories, how they discover the band, you know, coming to shows, interacting with us, whatever, and they can ask me questions and you know, yeah. I, I can give them the, the real answers if uh, they want that and you know. Well real briefly because I know we're running over here, but so in between wife number one and wife number two, when you're having all this rock star fun, what makes you get married to the second girl? I mean, she was gorgeous, so I'm guessing that had a lot to do with it. But like, I feel like you could have just been, you know, racking up. Well, there was a time where we started dating, and then we, and then I broke up with her because I was like, I don't, I'm, I want to continue to be, to, you know, be single. Yeah. And, then I just realized that, you know, it probably wasn't the right move. So I got three beautiful children out of it. And, there you go. But uh, it was mostly a good ride. Yeah. I mean, exactly. That's how you got to look at it. You got three beautiful children out of it. And then now you get to go back and have some fun. You took a break for a little bit, you know. Yeah, I, I'm no longer looking for a wife or a mother for my children. So, right. <laughs> that's, isn't that that's a have fun? <laughs> It's a freeing place to be, isn't it? When you don't need yes. to have a mother, you don't need to have a wife. It's a nice freeing, freeing place. Yes. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, this was show 10, and uh, we'll be back again next week, just like we are. We are got guests booked up for, like I think, until the middle of December. Um, you know, and then some people I just haven't got back to yet because, you know, you, you guys are a little crazy with direct messages and stuff. But uh, we will get to all of you. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Please like, share, and follow The Gracious 2. I don't know if you guys saw that we started a new Rumble page, but God forbid Facebook or YouTube ever fucks with us, because they're already 
throwing violations at us for cursing, believe it or not, profanity. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? This is unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, man. At one point, we might be exclusively on Rumble, which is cool because uh, I think it's a cool service. And with the you know little audience we have, I'm sure they would follow us over there and we could build it from there. So that might be a plan going down the road, people. Chad, anything you want to say to these guys, these, these folks? Thanks as always for joining, and we'll see you next week. Peace, people. Uh, we are the gracious two, putting the shit in bullshit. <laughs>